Let's hear some of that movie chat. Credits roll by and I tip my hat. Credits roll by, wanna know more right away. Let's have some of that movie chat. Credits roll by, tell me who did that. Life in the credits is where I wanna play. Welcome to Life in the Credits. This is a show where we learn about entertainment by chatting with people who work in the industry. I'm Susan. And I'm Ben. And today we'll be discussing the film Duck Soup. And joining us today is our special guest, comedy writer Matt Newman. So welcome, Matt. Hey, Matt. Hi. Yeah, thank you for doing the show. Uh, my pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> Matt, we're very, very excited to talk to you today. Can you start us off by telling us a little bit about what you do in the entertainment industry? Well, I'm a writer and uh, have been for 50 years at least. And uh, that's really what I do. I'm a comedy writer, and my whole life has been based on thinking I'm a, you know, I'm a funny guy and trying to, <laughs> and getting paid for it is just a, a perk. Yeah. That's fantastic. The, the beauty of it is I do what I've always done, and now I get paid for it. Yeah. I was a wise guy, and now I'm a wise guy who gets paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> the dream. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Can you tell us some of the projects you've worked on? Well, sure. The most prominent one you know about is Saturday Night Live. You may have heard of Not Necessarily the News. I, I produced and head wrote that for, I don't know, 15 years. We were on over a period of time on HBO, various forms of the show. For that, uh, really, my first big break in TV was a uh, Lily Tomlin special in 1974-75. Oh, cool. My partner and I, that, I should tell you, first of all, how I got into this at all. Yeah. Uh, 1970 or so. I'm driving a cab for the hippie cab company in Berkeley, California. Awesome. I get a telegram. I don't have a phone. I got a telegram from a friend down in Los Angeles. I went to Occidental College. My friend went to Occidental and he was still living down there. And I found myself up in Berkeley after teaching for three years to avoid the draft. Basically, mm -hmm. I was 1A at an occupational deferment. And then I got a lottery number that was high. So once I knew I was not headed to Vietnam, or Canada or jail. I said, uh, I had a couple of friends and they're out in Berkeley said, come on out here. It's great. Everybody. You know. So I go out to Berkeley, the great diaspora of, of Jewish intellectuals from New York headed to Berkeley. Okay. <laughs> and it was virtually uh, another New York in Berkeley at the time I found, and I get this uh, telegram from my friend. He said, I have this guy here. He went to Occidental. He's now at USC film school. He's finishing up his final film project down here and his lead actor, ended up in an insane asylum and he needs a replacement immediately. What are you doing? Do you have a, do you have a month to spare? I said, sure, I have a month to spare. <laughs> I drove down to LA. I became Chicken Little in what was called the Chicken Little Story. This is Stuart Birnbaum and he was this, the guy, I met him and we became writing partners later on. But what that led to us, this is the, this is 1970. After college, he ended up in Rome working as like a, a PA or something on Roma, a Fellini's wow. film. Yeah. yeah. He, he met an Italian girl there. They come back. He comes up to San Francisco where I'm making videos with friends and I, my friends in Berkeley. And she gets a job introducing Italian movies on, on a UHF channel in San Francisco, Channel 20, KEMOTV. And she said, they want some programming. Next thing we know, I'd say three weeks later, I had my own show in San Francisco, one hour live show. Oh my God. Starring in it as Chicken Little. <laughs> we started doing sketches and stuff and Stuart and I were, were writing partners and we had other people involved in it. Uh, uh, Don Novello, Father Sarducci started on that show. Uh, Franken and Davis, 
Al Franken, you know, and yeah. they mm -hmm. got, they did their first video in one of our productions. Wow. And uh, it was a chicken little comedy show, last maybe eight, nine months. But we got our first big break hired by Lily Tomlin. She was the best, Lily and Jane Wagner, her partner. And the uh, producer head writer of the show was Lauren Michaels. <sighs> and most of the people on that show and everything, this is the whole group eventually that, uh, you know, this was the formation of what Saturday Night Live became. Yeah. Right. Some came from our show, some came from Second City, some came from Lemmings, and some, and a lot came really directly from the Lily Tomlin show, because the very next step was, after the Lily Tomlin show, we got nominated for an Emmy, went to the Emmy Awards, I can tell you, it was like right across the street here at the <laughs> Palladium. Oh my gosh. Drove up in my 64 Dodge station wagon, which was always overheating and spewing steam. And myself <laughs> and a couple of other writers were pulling in. I also still had in the back of that station wagon, the sandwich sign board from the movie Chicken Little Story, which said, the end is near, the sky is falling. So it looked like a, a madman just drove in by mistake. <laughs> Perfect. People, and I remember this, this is 1975 Emmys, okay? It's right over here. I remember this people yelling, who are you? Who are you? As <laughs> yeah. we're driving by, all right? Like, right. And we go there and we assume we were going to win. She had won the Emmy for a previous variety special. Yeah. In fact, we had seen it and was really stoked by her. She was she was terrific. And I'd seen her perform up in a, a, a nightclub in, in San Francisco. So getting the call to do that show was all, all set. And also on that show, I, I wrote the big piece on the, the final show. We, the end of the show is like a 15 minute sketch. Uh, which was a parody of 50s sitcoms done in black and white, where she played the ditzy housewife like Lucy or- you Yeah. Know, right. Had the, the conventions of like 18 different shows all thrown in. And that itself got a lot of reviews. So we were just flying high. We go to the Emmys and we expect, and now the one, it was only two shows in the category. It was Shirley MacLaine, who had a variety music special. Mm -hmm. Right. And our show, that was it. That was, those were the two variety music uh, comedy whatever nominees and we're like this lauren and everybody lily and jay we're just about and then the winner is because it was you know there was no chance yeah shirley mclean oh and we get back down <laughs> and there's you know there's like one bottle of champagne or wine or something on this table and it just becomes a really kind of really sad scene when oh. you don't win and this okay in any case that show gave us carte blanche everybody wanted to hire us because we had you know when you there were only so many couple of variety shows as carol burnett ours yeah two or three others and this was meant to be a series so we were together for like three months writing backup scripts for future shows i had future right. versions of that black and white parody or i yeah. already worked out richard dreyfus was a guest star on that and uh the dog Benji was in my sketch. What? <laughs> awesome. Yeah, Benji talked in the sketch. It was, it was one of those things where, yeah, like George Burns used to watch the TV. Then there was another show, People's Choice, that had a talking dog. And then there's the mm -hmm. talking horse, which combined everything into whatever, you know. <laughs> anyway, we had full choice. Then that summer, I got a call from Lauren. He says, I'm going to New York. Would you like to come? I've got the show. And I was at that moment doing the Jim Stafford summer show. Ever heard of Jim Stafford? I have no. not, no. He was a country singer. He put out a couple of humorous country songs. Okay. I, to this day, have never met the man, but we were there. This will happen on comedy shows. You get, you write for a show and you never meet any of the particulars, maybe until show, whatever. But I, I told Lauren, I'm from New York. And I said, Lauren, because I knew we had just done Lily, Lily Salmon. And, and what happens is when you join, this is, this is good advice. You want to join, uh, become a writer. Your first job, you're going to get screwed. 
<laughs> but it'll get you a credit. And if you get a credit, then you can join the Writers Guild. Nice. Okay? Right. So they're going to pay you 10 cents until yeah. eventually you're going to get thousands a week. And we got, I think we were splitting $256 a week. Wow. And even in 1974 dollars, yeah, that wasn't great. That's not much. Then we got in the guild, so that so yeah. we're getting offered all these jobs. So then Jim Stafford's paying ten times as much for something we didn't even know what we were doing. <laughs> but I knew I told Lauren I said it would mean going back to scale, late night scale, and, yeah. and it would be very. And I said, I, Lauren, I don't think I, I I'm ready to go back to New York. Also, I have a girlfriend who happened to end up writing on the show as well, okay. and a partner who wasn't asked. But I will say is I turned it down at first, <laughs> and ended up. And it was it was fine because I ended up going to New York anyway mm -hmm. and writing a movie script with this guy named Lane Saracen, who is still my partner in Ironic Times, a good lifelong friend now. So we wrote a movie with him that was supposed to be a follow-up to the Groove Tube, which was a big hit at the time, which okay. was the, a film version of their Channel One shows and everything. That it worked out great not doing Saturday Night Live because I ended up being in New York, yeah. meeting both Lane and Chris, doing <laughs> a lot of other things. And then I ended up in Saturday Night anyway. Right. <laughs> as well as Saturday Night Live was going on so that was what we were doing you know and that's really what we were meant to do my partner yeah. and I when we first came down to LA it was to start a Saturday Night Live show basically mm -hmm. so, so now it's now it's there I, I, I talked to Lauren I said get me out of Hollywood okay and so I yeah. came back and I did the fifth season of SNL okay which was you know a great thrill uh yeah being up on the 17th floor and everything you've read about it and stuff and it's it's all true and more so and yeah. uh I felt, you know, it was great. It was, it was very rewarding. And, uh, uh, and Lauren and I are about the same age and we've had a good, good relationship there. So I, it, but it's a very competitive environment. Yeah. Uh, very competitive. Uh, it it uh, takes a lot of ego. Uh, you need a, a thick ego to yeah. be able to uh, uh, withstand the fact that, I'll give you an example. This is true of most shows and variety shows. It's would apply to anything else. The show's done, Sunday you sleep, Monday you come in and start writing, then Tuesday generally we're up all night. I just never right. just keep writing and writing until and then you turn stuff into the people who are gonna write, type it up, because a lot of the stuff's written on napkins and things, whatever. Yeah. Some, some of us could actually type, I could. But uh, I was still using a manual typewriter back in those days. I still have it here. It was took me a while to adjust from those days. Yeah. Sure. But uh, 3 p.m. on Wednesday, they'd have the cold read. Completely bound scripts, everybody, cast, crew, and all the writers. First cold read of something you were writing at 3 a.m. and you have no idea. No idea. Oh my God. It's the scariest yeah. moment of anyone's life. It's like, here I am, folks. And <laughs> a whole group of people going, eh, no. You know, or, <laughs> Now, the greatest, greatest moment you can have is, for me as a comedy writer is not, well, it could be, I guess, when an audience screams and laughs at one of your jokes. And yeah. That's certainly <laughs> great. But I don't think there's nothing more genuinely more uh, uh, appreciative than when your own peers crack up. Yeah. yeah. That means everything. Mm -hmm. And when you hear something in a cold reading and you, and, you, and you knock out the whole room with a joke that no one was expecting, and Lauren's like table pounding laughter, that's great. Now, of course, the worst feeling is to have and you can hear a pin drop yeah that's <laughs> and bill murray goes something oh that's that's a an ugly vision or whatever you know whatever just <laughs> you know just fortunately you can write more than one thing and hopefully 
Yeah. But I've had I've had both experiences. Okay. And, uh, and and really a, a reason I say that is because live shows in any collaborative medium, if they don't always come off as planned. In fact, it yeah. never does. Yeah. And I had also had many pieces, four or five or six, that were in dress that never made it to air. Right. right? Because right. the show went 20 minutes long. And so then between dress and air, we get going to Lauren's office and she'll say, you know, take two minutes out of this. Yeah. This guy's got to come in for whatever here. And we're not going to have time for that. It's the beauty of live TV. And I've done other shows that are live. You, know, you just never, you can never predict. Yeah. And you never get a performance. Also a good Good dress rehearsal often is dangerous because yeah. they say bad, you know, good dress, bad air, and vice versa. But right. a bad dress rehearsal, you don't worry about. Yeah. The adrenaline, people say, oh, I'm not going to do that again, I guess. Yeah. But at the end of that year, as the stories go, it's true. Lauren was in my office on the couch, in the office lying down and was actually ruminating, you know, about whether or not to come back. He and Silverman, and, and, and I, they were all tired. Wow. I had just been there that year, basically, and a little bit before. So I wasn't anxious yeah. to leave. I just, you know, I was in New York. Yeah. And everyone left. That was it, you know, for about a year, year and a half, waiting things out, going to meetings and so forth. But nothing, New York is not the place for work. Saturday Night Live was kind of unique, but there wasn't much production in New York. And the big people who, who you know, you had a lot of people who could say maybe in New York, but you didn't have anyone to say, give you go ahead to an idea. And everything was really happening in LA. And eventually uh, I had to get back out. And I knew the person who had directed the Lily Tomlin show was producing a knockoff of Saturday Night Live, which you may have heard called Fridays. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it had been on for, in fact, when that came on, uh, uh, Lauren was really upset about that show because it was yeah, I imagine. produced, well, it was, it was more so because uh, his manager, Bernie Brillstein, was also the manager of the people who did uh, what? <laughs> Fridays, and here he is doing a show just like Florence, yeah. like you know. And uh, I, I didn't think much of the show when I saw it, but there were a lot of talented people there. Mm -hmm. And when Saturday Night Live ended, and a year later, and that was still on, and there was nothing else going on, and I happened to know that, know that guy, John Moffat, who was the director, told him, I said, John, I'd like to come back out there. He said, All right. And I came back out and it was a big deal for them, a Saturday Night Live writer coming yeah. for Fridays and yeah. all this big deal. And they were all really nice. And, and in fact, I got to do some things on that show that I could never probably have done on Saturday Night Live. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was a lot of fun. But since 2000, 2000, early 2000s, uh, outside of writing lots of material for magazines, newspapers yeah. and, and, and on, online, TV worked right up. And so we, Friends and I started uh, Ironic Times. Yeah. We uh, saw the success of uh, or just the, the, one, the terrific uh, work that The Onion was doing, yeah. was getting their, their paper version. Mm -hmm. Right. And thought, you know, this is just what we've been doing all our lives. Yeah. So weekend Update and even Chicken Little is all basically news, news based uh, comedy. Uh -huh. And so uh, we're up to 20 years, 21st year weekly. Awesome. Putting out a three page issue have thousands of subscribers and that's uh, amazing but that's that's pretty much what we've done since then you know and these, it's very gratifying to yeah it's, uh, that's awesome it's hard to explain to someone well how do i get into comedy you know right. well you submit these like i said i you know i really don't know. i think the thing is though what we did have was a a platform to uh, fail to yeah be, they say all com comedians have to fail you have to go yeah. out on the road and be really awful and have audiences tell you 
that's not funny. Get yeah. off. Right. Terrible. I think we had that, but we uh, from Chicken Little because yeah. it, it, it was you know our first time, most not real performers and everything. But we we learned from that, and you learn from your mistakes. I just yeah. I kept learning. There are some things from your story that I think because we've we've talked to some other writers and people in the industry, and they all emphasize like how important it is to connect with people and keep in touch with people. Because I mean, just like what happened with you, like you had a friend from college who's like, "Hey, get up here. We need an actor for this." short well that's true in life i think that's yeah but it's true you have to follow up on any contacts you have and in comedy writing it's certainly true you normally somebody says oh get so and so or Mm -hmm. a friend gets hired that's often what it is you bring your friends and you've written comedy for so long and i'm sure i mean that's several different eras of of comedy and you know we're huge fans of of comedy of snl and so many of the other things you've mentioned so far but in your opinion, how has comedy changed in that time period? Because it does evolve fairly regularly. How, you know, how has your style changed over time to adapt to that? Well, I haven't changed all that much, except just to adapt to whatever template I'm working in. Ironic time, sure. we're, we're working in a journalistic short yeah. headlines. And the, and the joke really is almost on the language of journalism as much as it is on the stories yeah. and how right. they, you know, it's, 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 there's a lot of them. I feel when we're doing our best, and this is true of all comedy, in my opinion, it is both funny and meaningful. Yeah. Meaning you got to laugh, but it makes a point. Yeah. But it's not for the sake of making a point or necessarily just to be funny, but funny is best. Yeah. <laughs> you covered this, I think a little bit, but um, when writing for shows that have guest stars on them, mm-hmm. did you have to adjust your writing style to kind of accommodate whatever type of comedy they were bringing or did everything kind of just kind of flow together? And you well, kind Saturday of- night's the only case where I, we had- Right. You know, we've had, we've had we used to we used to get people on not the news but i'd request them for specific yeah. purposes or, right sure but uh, uh we didn't we sort of eschewed having celebrities on that yeah. show because it, it distracted from the jokes I think. right saturday night lives built around a celebrity performer yeah. so if, right. you know, i don't know it was when i was there they had some you know like uh very veteran people for the most part but you'd mm-hmm. write exactly from my biggest thrill perhaps from that year is when they had bill russell the wow. boston celtic on yeah Lauren That's knew cool. I was one of the, maybe the only guy who really was in the sports on it. And yeah. Jeff said, Bill, why don't you just sit down and spend some time in Matt with Matt? So I had, I had Bill Russell for the oh whole afternoon <laughs> in my office talking to one of my idols uh, and, uh, and asking him, asking him all these questions that yeah. I had to ask about, you know, I was a Knicks fan. I said, how the hell did you beat the Knicks in 1968? <laughs> he says, we just ran them and ran and this is during the fuel crisis, Bill Russell. Oh. And I had a Volkswagen a Rabbit, and and uh, Bill Russell says, "I have a friend who makes who 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 sells fuel tanks for rabbits that can extra fuel." I remember him telling me that. So this is such a strange thing. What? I have a phone number <laughs> from somebody to get for us. Okay, but uh, that was one of the perks for me. But yeah, for writing, so I wrote a sketch for Bill. Bill Russell it was on. It was it came off very well. It was. Uh, Sports talk it was one of those sports radio talk shows where yeah. they're always talking and calling guys. And say, yeah, I hate that. Guy. What is it? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but this was a sports talk show. But every sport reference made, you never heard of. The guy was talking about things. Yeah, he had the glass bat. And then the two guys with the pincers came up and were all before you know it. They're rolling down the hill and uh, they're laughing. And then another guy says, I didn't believe that guy did, you know. And Bill Russell saying, what are you talking about? And then he says, now, Bill Russell, you're, you say you're a basketball player. 
So he has to describe what that was. That was. They they knew every sport except basketball. This is a new one to us. So that was fun. That's cool. So do you have any moments, and you've talked about a lot of moments that are like this, I think, but from your career that just really stand out as like, I can't believe that this is the job I get to do every day. I can't believe this is like my career. You know, I think I probably, if anything, is when we first got to Lily Tomlin. Yeah. It's not like we weren't uh, aliens, but uh, it was a, it was a legit job. I think. Yeah. But, but I never, I, I never felt like I didn't belong. I right. just felt like, uh, you know, this is fun. Yeah. But, uh, honestly, as I said, we had our own show in San Francisco. Right. We got publicity. We were, it's not like we were big stars or anything, right. but, we, but that, there was a, you know, there's a, a feeling there of being in control that uh-huh. you would never right. have again. And yeah. where you basically are the last person to, to answer to. And, and that's, that's fun. And that's yeah. what I like about, you know, when you're just individually, when you're writing, you're the last person to answer to. You're, you're the one who's making the final choice. Yeah. Don't have that discretion on movies, sitcoms, mm-hmm variety shows there's so many people to go through and then there's the final the audience that yeah. has to go through. And, and so uh you're never you know you're never really fully satisfied so it's all right very cool Excellent. yeah that's pretty unbelievable to just be like oh, okay we're gonna go from and it also shows the importance of making your own content like you wanted to write comedy so you wrote comedy like you didn't wait for someone to give you that opportunity necessarily well, it was, yeah, but it was, it was, there were a lot of happenstances. I, yeah. I, think. I, yeah. I can't guarantee anything would have gone. Right. The fact that I had a friend I went to college with yeah. who then was sharing a house with someone I didn't know, but yes. who also, and then he lost the guy who, the, I mean, these are all coincidences, right. but it's, it's usually, as you said, through meeting people. Yeah. Well, Matt, uh, we covered a lot of stuff, yeah. but we have one more question for you before we move on to the talk about the movie. What advice do you have for people who are interested in getting into writing or just into the entertainment industry in general? Well, I think we've kind of covered it. I think, in, uh, I think in comedy at least, and it really is the only thing I can relate to, but in anything else, you just submit stuff, mm-hmm. send it to people. Uh, usually it takes an agent to get in the door, but you can send stuff to agents and agencies might accept it. Uh, the main thing is to is, is to be proactive and persistent. These are the things I never really had to deal with because I just sort of fell into it. And that show we had sort of led me to, to my career. I, mean, I would always go, well, I did this, I did that. But if you're an unknown and you've never written for, for uh, an entertainment entity, uh, uh, write it up, try to find uh, you know anything that you can that, that mm-hmm. would give you a model or a, a a base to work from mm-hmm. and if you're funny just write what you think is funny and mm-hmm. if other people think you're funny they'll find you'll find a place somewhere but there's really no other there's there's no uh, easy uh, obvious way to do it and, yeah. and kind of working up the ladder i there are people who i know have gotten into i wouldn't say comedy but there are people who certainly many of the the, the runners you meet on these shows maybe within six months or a year or running studios. That's often happens, I find, or they become big producers. Uh, people who are uh, in the business who are willing to do a lot of the dirty work early 
yeah tend to because if you just hang around it doesn't take long usually with these shows they say oh this guy was good he's reliable make him the assistant on this mm -hmm. next thing you know boom you're a producer and yeah, really yeah. that's what it is and you asked about producer the producer uh, a credit because i know it's one of the questions yeah well, confusing <laughs> if you notice on if you watch the simpsons all my old buddies used to yeah. do but not to say there is they're all producers they're writers yeah. Producer means nothing. It just yeah. means that the agent said, well, I'm going to make him a producer. <laughs> My wife actually told me, you know, you're basically producing the show. So I started getting a producer credit on Not the News. Yeah. Never, never dawned on me. I said, well, you know, I'm a writer, basically. Said, right. Or a head writer, whatever it says. I said, okay, I'm a producer now. Yeah. All right. Uh, make me a malted. All right, I'm a malted. And I mean, it's it, it really a, 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 a matter of, uh, of wording. Yeah. Executive producer might mean someone is in the business end of it. And right. A company or a production company, perhaps. That yeah. is the case. Like when I did Not the News, it was Moffat Lee Productions. And okay. Pat and John were the partners of a, of a production company. Uh, and I was hired by them. So okay. when, as producers, basically, the three of us were the three who made the creative decisions and made the final decisions. And I was yeah. the guy the liaison with the writers base okay. on that show. Yeah. On, on, and not on, on Saturday Night Live, it's changed a lot. When I was there, it was only like seven or eight writers and okay. a much shorter, smaller staff of, of, of people. And Lauren made the final decision. I'm sure he still does, but they seem to have hierarchies now yeah. with various things. Herb uh, Sargent was in charge of, of news uh, and uh, another wonderful person to talk about. But again, I could talk for hours and hours, but I see we're probably running. We can have you back for a part two. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> part two. Sure, why not? Let's get to our feature film. Today we're discussing the 1933 comedy musical Duck Soup. It was directed by Leo McCary and it was written by Bert Kalmar. Harry Ruby and Arthur Sheikman. It stars the Marx Brothers, who are Groucho, Harpo, Chico, and Zeppo. So, Susan, can you give us a quick breakdown? What's this movie about? Yeah, so this movie uh, opens. Um, we're in the nation of Fredonia, which is on the brink of financial collapse, bankruptcy, um, and we meet Mrs. Teasdale, who offers to help the country out financially if they remove the current dictator and put in. Rufus T. Firefly, who is played by Groucho Marx, just a very ridiculous guy, constantly making jokes. Um, also going on, uh, we have the ambassador from a nation called Sylvania, who sees this exchange of power going on and decides that this is the perfect time to start a war with Fredonia. So he sends two uh, very inept spies uh, named Ciccolini and Pinky, who are played by Harpo and Chico Marx. Um, and we just watch the hijinks play out in this movie. Uh, Zeppo plays his secretary, um, plays Rufus T. Firefly, Groucho Marx's secretary. Right. Um, so we just see this play out, their interactions, escalation to war in the most ridiculous way, um, but for the most ridiculous reasons. And um, yeah, it's really, really fun. I had never seen this movie before. So uh, very classic comedy. Absolutely. Very classic, a lot of classic physical comedy too, which is good. Yeah. And Matt, you picked this movie for us to watch. Why did you choose Duck Soup? Well, I never expected you to have not seen it before because I've oh, seen ben it has. Times. I have not. Oh, seen I it am. Yep. Oh, all right. Well, you're yeah. okay. Uh, well, it's 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 uh, probably my favorite movie yeah. ever. Uh, uh, but I, I I thought because it is so funny and yeah. uh, it's easy to talk about. Yeah. I love the fact that you just what you did was you described 
you, you, you described actually the, the construct of what, you know, what's <laughs> going on there. I mean, and, and what I like about that, one of, one of the things I like, uh, the things I do in my writing is I like ridiculous constructs, but then played out within, with, with, with rational uh, uh, people. Yeah, but this is the ridiculous concept. This this is somewhat the opposite. But it, uh, but what it what it is is uh, you actually have a, a hierarchy. He is yeah. in fact president of a country. Yeah, and these guys ostensibly are spies, working on both sides basically. But it, it, I mean, it's there there is a, a war, and there is another guy. Right? Uh, I actually took that concept. I took I took Duck Soup, and I wrote Duck Soup Two, a parody. Humor awesome. piece, which is on my website, and oh, yeah. uh, you can go look at it. And what it, what what's interesting is I, I I sort of take that same premise. It's now like it's legitimate. They the the war's over, and now what? All right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I threw in a few modern references, but basically, it's what would happen if the war ended, and then they just continued. Yeah. Right. Like like what happens if? All right, it's funny, but it's still it's it's real. Right. <laughs> As opposed to them. oh, it's funny, and then it's over. Mm -hmm. But all right, I digress. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it, Again, this is a case of a, of, a, of a film, like I said before, it's funny and meaningful. This is a time when Hitler's rise yeah, in Europe. Right. Yep. Uh, Duck Soup, may or not, not know, was, a, was a, a failure. It was not a successful film. It became a success <laughs> years later because of the revivals and the fact that they were on mm -hmm. TV. Although I'm up a little sidebar, the, uh, one of the first memories I have is when I was very little watching on TV and this movie was on, and I forget the exact thing that did it. It might have been the motorcycle thing where route where yeah. Marco goes away in the sidecar. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of those illogical things that a seven-year-old can't believe. <laughs> I started laughing so hard my parents had to turn it off and pump my stomach. I lost really? my yes. Oh my gosh. It was a first it was a sign. I mean yeah. it was a sign yeah. because that 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 does it to me. I mean the, and and uh no it's it's just brilliant. It's just brilliant. It's it's mm -hmm. it's it's everything, you know it's it's the uh uh the 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 best, I think, the best parody and uh, 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 criticism of fascism. Yeah, it's it's how just the silliest, petty disagreements mm -hmm. could lead to war. And yeah. even, yes. even if it's Groucho Marx, it's not such a stretch from reality. If no. you think of not. the things our leaders, I won't name names, yeah. say. And yeah. if they say these things and make a big deal out of it, you know, think about the duck soup's great. I, everyone should watch it. This yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you saw it, and I'm glad I didn't recommend some depressing no. Uh, no. <laughs> but that that was really the reason I, I thought it would just be fun for you to yeah. watch if you hadn't seen it even if you hadn't seen it in a while because it is a great uh, yeah and 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 McCary is the only time they have a good director all their other films including were notable ones were not directed by a, a noted director McCary made it work he, he yeah. really got, got the thing uh, and the, and the, you see the art deco and the lighting in the background and stuff yeah, and beautiful it's, sets it, and, it's, it's yeah. incredible yeah yeah. yeah, it's incredible because this movie came out almost 90 years ago, um, but a lot of the jokes still work, mm -hmm. um, especially all that physical comedy. And the sure. Marx Brothers are so good at that. I think um, I'm thinking of like the scene with the peanuts uh, and the lemonade Boy. and then yeah, just the vendors. This, yeah. And, you know, the two brothers who are spies who are just the worst uh, spies <laughs> ever. Um, that spy scene, by the way, is one of the great scenes. And I, yeah. I'm always I always think of that because I have kids and dogs. And I always think of myself after everybody leaves and is done uh, as that, as, as uh, what's his name, getting up out of his chair, finding his suit cut, yep. you know, yep. his stuff <laughs> to his rear end, 
and a, a mousetrap on his hand yeah. and be feeling helpless. I, I, and it's sort of like- What the, just happened to me? Yeah, it's the state we're in after some, you know, just kids and dogs and things just run yeah. through the house and then everyone leaves and then, oh, wait, where am I? <laughs> I, I, you know, so many jokes are so funny. Even the joke where like um, somebody asks uh, Harpo what his name is, and he just rolls up his sleeve, and it's a, it's a tattoo of his of his face on yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, has um, everything on tattoos. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it's, it's so good. Um, but it's fantastical too. I mean, the film mm -hmm. has, you know, it has wonderful just just. Uh, uh, you know, like the dog coming out of yeah, his, the uh, dog, his yeah, yeah, the horse uh, in the bed taking his shoes off and right. being in the bed. That's a little bit that joke yeah. actually did make me laugh. Yeah. Also, there's also some wordplay, and I that one of my favorite writers of all time, S.J. Perlman, did not work on Duck Soup. He actually worked on uh, uh, two previous ones, Horse Feathers and Monkey Business. But there are some great uh, Perlman-like lines uh, where it's just uh, when they come in and they say. Oh no, that's the Dean is waxing wrong. No, this is the one with the, the taking up the the carpets and the tax. Yes, yeah, must take the carpet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. All these, all them. these are all these are phrases from a yeah. time when people had carpets and carpet tax. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember that as a kid. You know, they, they banged carpets in when that nails. But uh, you know, there's just wonderful puns and things that that that. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, oh, they're the best. They're the best. I can't. Uh, yeah. I had can't to, gush any more than that. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of like the puns and the wordplay, when the movie first started, I really had to get used to the pace of the jokes and the dialogue because it's yeah. they're on it, it, the whole it out. time. Yeah, yeah, it's really impressive. But I had to be like, all right, my brain needs to like be in the game, or I'm gonna miss one of the jokes. It was it was really interesting. Well, so. yeah, you have to listen closely. Yeah, yeah, it was good, but I really had to be like, oh, like they're they're not missing a beat, like. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't slow down with Margaret Dumont. No. He just yeah. keeps going. Yeah, take a car. Go ahead. I have 50. Yep. Yeah, right. yeah. It's just, just uh, uh, endless. But uh, look, they were, you know, they, they had been doing that already. For yeah. Some idea, right? Mm -hmm. They were pros. And they were actually pros. <laughs> uh, the mirror scene, of course. Yes. Is classic. One of the classics. And again, Leo McCary, I don't think they, they would have been able to bring that off. Mm -hmm. they, did, <clears throat> they did the stateroom scene, which is the only really great comparable scene. I think many in the uh, night at the opera mm -hmm. yep. uh, where they you know they all they, now that had been on the road like a vaudeville tour for many years where they would do that scene before live audiences and they kept working on it refining it and building it uh i obvi obviously they couldn't have done that uh with uh, duck soup duck soup was a real uh, uh cinematic uh, yeah way of presenting <laughs> this stuff but that's just brilliant and and you know that that's like iconic it's like it's like a comedic bit that yeah. you could probably find, you know, parallels of in oh, life yeah. forever. The idea of seeing yourself and not mm -hmm. seeing yourself, whether that is really, you know, mimicking that. It's just just incredible. Yeah, that scene is very iconic. Definitely yeah. you definitely see that that being pulled through comedy all the way in today, I think. And the final scene, the war scene, where he yeah. keeps changing his hats. You know, he's got a different uh, war hat, yep. and mm -hmm. war thing. He's got another, and and stuff. And it's it's just it's it's it, that's 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 truly the 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 mind blowing scene. Then finally, she starts singing, and they're throwing fruit at uh -huh. him. And they do what they did in those days. They throw yeah. fruit at somebody they didn't yep. like. So it's you know it all ends perfectly, mm -hmm. but it, it 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 is a it's a it's a great document because think of this this is just when Hitler was was taking yeah. control right. and uh, uh, this was not uh, you know it's just not off their minds at all and it was mm -hmm. probably a reason why the the film did not do as well yeah the ones that were doing well at that time you know were just happy. 
dancing musicals, right. you know, keep your spirits up and whatever, you know, and ignore what's going on over there. But mm -hmm. uh, they, they sort of, uh, it, it, it had another life for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, did you have a favorite scene, Matt? I mean, we already covered mine with the mirror scene. I think we. Yeah. Good. Well, I, I. It's hard to say any favorite scene. I think it, it, because uh, one one would uh, top the other. But uh, no, we. <laughs> the whole thing is great. The whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's there and 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 you, you mentioned musical. It really isn't because uh, the, there are others. They that was one of the reasons it did not succeed. They didn't have music, and then they put it back in because they had it in earlier ones where. Harpo and Chico would both take solos or do. Oh, okay. Bits. And even though there's a little bit of business at the piano there with them, it ends. Yeah. And it goes right back to, uh, uh, to the comedy. And yep. uh, they, they, they brought that element back in and others, younger stars singing. And that, I think, just watered it down. And, yeah. and they, you know, but Duck Soup is the purest, I think, of their comedy and the yeah. best expression of, of that. Uh, uh, that that uh, of all their films. So. Yeah, yeah. Even the scene where uh, they go and uh, they go up to is it the palace and they knock on the door and then they sneak in and they all take yeah, turns constant back and rotating forth. trying to try to get in and then get locked out. It's just uh, all those spits are so good and well well planned out. Mm -hmm. I love I love how she. she the, the Harpo's uh, downstairs and he turns on the, the thing that plays you know, the, the, yes. whatever it is, the, the radio yep. and starts blasting music and then upstairs Margaret Dumont and, and Groucho and she's, she says what what's that and Groucho goes mice must be mice she says mice don't play music he says what about the old maestro yeah. now, there's, now there's a reference point that you have to assume, all right, the old maestro was on radio. It was yeah. a big deal. Everyone knew who the old maestro yeah. was. So when you say the old maestro, that works. It brings through. Today, yeah. it's sort of like, uh, what is, you know, who's a maestro? What's right. a maestro? Right. But, but again, I think most people, if they're going to watch a Marx Brothers movie, as you did for the first time, you probably get these jokes anyway. Yeah. It's really not a problem uh, yeah. understanding. The, the, it's not a, a translation problem. Right? Mm -hmm. Excellent. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, before we move on with our game, Matt, last question: uh, Who would you recommend this film to? <laughs> uh, everyone. Uh, who? It, it, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't leave anyone out. Yeah. Fantastic, Susan. You agree? Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a classic comedy. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of surprised I had not seen it before, but I mean, it's in the Library of Congress, so yeah, everybody should watch it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's been determined to be an important movie. <laughs> uh, so you, your argument is everything in the Library of Congress people should see. No, maybe not everything, but this they should. <laughs> uh, this, this is this is the pinnacle of their. Yeah, yeah. They, they are. You know, the, the, they're they're this to me, Doctor Strangelove, and a few others yeah. Uh, yeah. are 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 great great comedy films. But mm -hmm. this first and foremost, this yeah, this, this, there's. There's nothing in this that uh, is shaky. This is all pure. Mm -hmm. Sorry, my wife's calling me. Oh, so it's I, all right. No, you're fine. I, I will. Uh... Jan, I'm still on, so I'm going to get off. Goodbye. <laughs> we'll just need five more minutes. Yeah, I'll we'll just yeah. do the game. I should put her on. She can tell you about her. Yeah. No, I, 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 uh, yeah, no. Duck soup is, is, is great. Mm -hmm. And uh, you could, I don't know if it's ever been tried, but you could certainly tell if somebody has any sense of humor yeah yeah they say oh, i found that ridiculous <laughs> you know it's <laughs> now when you meet someone like that you say well it's nice meeting you yeah right, all right right, right. 
we probably don't have friendship usually yeah yeah Yeah, i would agree i think um if you're a film buff or if you're a comedy buff Mm -hmm. or if you just want to watch something that's you know you know at the time that was really provocative comedy that's like it was sharp you know it was really a, a piece that was talking about what was going on in the world at that time so I thought it was, uh, you know, and it stands up to this day. So check it out. We like to finish up our show today with a game that we're calling Punchline Punch-Out. We're going to see how well both of you know famous movie lines. So Matt, you'll be playing against Susan. So here are the rules. I'm going to give you a well-known line of dialogue from a famous film, but not the entire line. A word will be missing and you have to fill it in. As soon as you know the word, shout it out. The first person to name it correctly gets a point. If you are correct, you can also name the movie it's from for a bonus point. In honor of Duck Soup, all of these movies in the game today are comedies. I have nine lines of dialogue for you to identify. And the first person to name 18 correct, because there's two points per question, will win our prize. So, Susan, what's our prize? Uh, it's some life in the credits merchandise. So a mug or a shirt, whatever you want, we'll send you some stuff. I've always wanted that. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. Matt, are you ready to play? No. Let's begin. <laughs> Susan, are you ready? Yeah. All I right. think I think. <laughs> I love the confidence we're getting in this game. All right, here we go. First one. The blank really tied the room together. Uh big Lebowski. What's the word? The rug. Or yes, okay. very good, Matt. That's two points. So the rug really tied the room together from the big. I do have a question. If one person gets the quote but doesn't get the movie correct, can the other person steal the bonus point? No. Okay. No stealing. <laughs> We're not making it too complicated All right. today. Number two. Keep the change, you filthy blank. Animal. Yes. And the a movie. Home Alone. Correct. Two to two, close game. Okay. All right. Next one. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the blank room. Doctor Strange Love. Yes. And uh, what's the war room? War room. Very good, Matt. Number four. Your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of blank. Uh, Elderberries. Elderberries is correct. And it's the Princess Bride. No. Oh, it's not. I'm sorry. You only get one point. It's Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh, duh. Of course it is. Yeah. Uh, that's okay. Uh, why don't you make like a blank and get out of here? I don't think I know. Matt, any guesses? I don't know. The answer is tree. Uh, make like a tree and get out of here. And that's from Back to the Future. Oh. Wouldn't know. All right, next one. There's no crying in blank. Baseball, uh, the, the League of Their Own, yes. Benny Marshall, who I knew. And oh, cool. uh, there's no crying in baseball. Yeah. Fantastic, Matt. That is correct. <laughs> well done. You are up to six points, and Susan's at three. Okay. Couple more. As of this moment, they're on blank secret probation. Animal House. Yep. Lifetime. I don't know. I forget what the name is. Uh, they're on double secret okay. probation. Uh, but we'll give you a point for that one, Matt, because that Animal House is correct. Well done. I kept the ultra secret probation. <laughs> <laughs> Double secret yeah. probation. I swear to God, I'm going to pistol whip the next guy who says blank. Oh, I do know what this is from, but I can't. No idea. 
I can't. Do you, do you know the movie, Susan? No, but I know this line. Yep, you do. I don't think it's Snow White, is it? <laughs> it is not Snow White. Okay, that's my only guess. Good yeah, guess, she's talking to the dwarves. Is it from Independence Day? I'm sorry, no. It's, I swear to God, I'm going to pistol whip the next guy who says shenanigans. And it's from Super Troopers. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I don't think I've even heard of the film, but okay. Oh. The Broken Lizard guys. Yeah. They did a, a I think they're of... all from Canada, aren't they? I don't know where they're from, actually. I thought they were from, all, from okay. Canada. All right. Last one. My name is Jim, but most people call me blank. I have no idea. I don't think I know what this is from. No idea? Shaft in Hawaii. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a hint. It's a Mel Brooks movie. Oh, uh... Uh, 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 blazing saddles yes very okay. good any what's any idea what the word is that's okay the answer is my name is jim but most people call me jim oh <laughs> that was what i was going to say and that i, I is class. Uh, yeah. well good news matt you got uh, nine points and nice you're job. our winner tonight so congratulations I, you asked me what my greatest thrill was earlier now i've got <laughs> awesome fantastic <laughs> well before we let you go matt would you like to plug anything just ironic times yeah fantastic and uh honestly for you guys we were talking about it if you want to uh you'll find it that's the top of the list but i there's a, a site i put up many years ago mm -hmm. when my kids were young just to start an archive of my writings yeah things that they otherwise might uh, never come across it started to get uh, this is the mid to late 90s when the World Wide Web was just beginning. Before I knew it, Yahoo had made me a site of the year, whatever. And so mattnewman.com, that's what led to Ironic Times. Okay, cool. We've got all these readers and then yeah. we started Ironic Times. But if you go to mattnewman.com, you'll see yeah. Ironic Times. You can always subscribe, which I prefer because you'll be reminded every Monday yeah. morning early that we're up because people cool. easily forget things that someone tells them about. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm plugging. So awesome. fantastic. Is that the cool. easy, so the easiest way to find it is to go to mattnewman.com. No, go to ironictimes.com. But okay. I was okay. suggesting to you guys if you want to see Duck Soup 2. Right, my, yes, I do actually. Sequel, <laughs> the sequel to Duck Soup, which I don't okay. think they were considering at the time. And uh and and new, lots of other writing. Yeah. Well, Matt, thank you so yeah, much for this joining was us. So, this was great. So great. Glad to share it with you. It's been a pleasure. Life in the Credits is hosted and produced by me, Susan Swarner. And me, Ben Bloom. It's executive produced by Michelle Levin. The music is written and performed by Steve Trowbridge. You can hear more of Steve's music at TrowbridgeSounds.com. The show logo is created by Melissa Durkin. If you'd like to support Life in the Credits and get access to exclusive perks, you can do so at Patreon.com. If you'd like to follow or get a hold of us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Life in the Credits or shoot us an email at lifeinthecredits at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. It's the scariest moment of anyone's life. It's like, here I am, folks. And a whole group of people going, eh, no. <laughs> <laughs>